Hello, everyone. Thank you. Um, if you are listening to this, thank you so much for being here and uh, being here with us as this um, new idea, new venture takes place with myself, David Hall, and uh, my friend, Connor. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for the introduction there, Dave. <laughs> I didn't say your last name. My last name is Moon. Connor Moon. So, Do you know where that comes from? Your last name? So, there's some debate, okay? I don't know how true this is, so just bear with me. But apparently there was some kind of Viking, like, clan. <laughs> right? Like... Like my dad told me one time, and if you know if my dad's listening, then I I, I kind of believe it. I kind of don't. Uh, just gonna be honest, but um, it could sound cool. It it they they would fight at night, and like they would use that as cover, and so they were called like the the Moon Warriors or something. And so we're like that's a really cool. I've thing. never actually traced it myself, but I mean. If it was me, I would just leave it at that. I'd be right? like, no, like, that's my, that's exactly who my ancestors were. My ancestors Freaking moon are, warriors. Yeah, spec ops, Vikings. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> like pre, predated night vision. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They used lunar. I can't imagine vision. my last name has anywhere near as much um, gravitas. I mean, he probably just owned some big house. And they were like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. He's got a really big hall in there. Yeah, you know, something boring hall. like that. Yeah. He owned the local hall. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I mean, it, there's nothing that can be exciting come from that, really. Yeah. Um, um, it could be interesting, though, to track the lineage of the name. Yeah. Because sometimes they change, you know? Sometimes last names change. Do they? I, feel like I don't they know. Do. I don't I know. Like I'd have, have to look into it. I know that. Um, Christy at Midway thinks we're related because her um, maiden name is Hall, so she's she calls she calls <laughs> us fam. I'm I'm family to her now. Yeah, and you're not you're you're from England and you're not in England, so that would be a, kind of a yeah. Be a crazy... I mean, there's a pretty chance. There's a pretty good chance that you think so? We're related. I mean, I guess. I mean, it was English people who came over here and That's very settled. True. So there's a chance, I suppose, that one of my family members made it over at some point in the last. What two hundred and fifty years? How yep. old's America? Seventeen seventy six. So um, what's that? Yeah, like two hundred and fifty years, roughly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maths. Yeah, two hundred fifty years. Yep. Wait, is twenty twenty six fit two hundred fifty years of America? Hang on, I'll go get the calculator out. That makes sense if it is. Hang on. Are, are you are you doing the maths? I'm doing the maths. Okay. Or was it 2016? 2026. 2026. That, coincidentally, is also the World Cup, which is being held in America for for football, soccer. Yeah. So it's it's going to be a party. That's going to be so cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, welcome (laughs) to um, this podcast. We are calling it... What are we calling it again? The Standard Paradox. The Standard Paradox. We spent maybe an hour trying to come up with a name before this. A um, fitting name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, we could have just come up with some random name. Yeah, but we didn't want to, you know, improperly brand it. We wanted something that with meaning, yeah. Exactly. And um, you did a really good job of explaining where we're coming from, angle-wise. Do you want to try and explain to people listening where we're kind of coming from with the with the name Standard Paradox? Yeah, so... Uh, what I was thinking was, you know, we're going to have conversations 
throughout the uh, course of this podcast with other individuals that have unique stories and unique perspectives on life. But um, as anyone who's ever grown up with uh, maybe a projected expectation or something that some society or their cultures told them that they should live up to or be, you have that expectation for your life mm. uh, in one on one side. And then on the other side, you have like a failed expectation. And so um, you can sometimes get into the mindset that it's one or the other. You either live up to the society's expectations or you um, you fail mm-hmm. and you it's hard to exist in between. And sometimes it can feel like a paradox. Either you can you can navigate it well and you can get to the end and have all those expectations but and meet all those projected expectations. But the reality is we never really find ourselves there. Mm-hmm. We always get close and then go back to the failing side of things or, uh, or, you know, failed and then somehow get ourselves back up or by the bootstraps and get back going or something like that. And so it feels oftentimes like a paradox. And for you and me, Dave, as, uh, as believers, as Christians, um, we live in a similar paradox of people often think, Oh, you, you know, you're perfect. You live, you're Jesus was perfect. You must be perfect. And, <laughs> There's a very real different reality for us. You know, sure we're not is. we're not perfect. We don't try to meet those expectations, but people, uh, even fellow Christians, can project those on us. Absolutely. Um, so you're either perfect or you're uh, broken, and and but the reality is we're somewhere in that middle area, which feels oftentimes like a paradox. Yeah. And it's not a theory. It's a daily thing that we go through. Yep. We meet people and we have conversations about this all the time. And it's so it feels like a standard everyday kind of paradox that you live in and we have to navigate and other yeah. people can contribute to that, uh, to that conversation. So. Hey, that was a great description. Of, Thanks, man. That was awesome. Round Thanks. of applause. I need to put that on the track, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. The applause sign lights up. But it's true, man, though. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, it's even within the church and within the Christian faith, you can experience that, you know, expectations that are put on you Mm -hmm. from whatever age. I mean, I'm sure there's people of every single age, background, whatever, who feel like they've got some expectations on them that they might not necessarily be able to meet. Mm -hmm. But I mean, also it comes from the outside looking in, right? I mean, it's a tale as old as time where, people will judge you differently if you have explicitly given yourself rules to follow, you know? Yeah. Because if if someone looks at you and they say, well, you're not meeting any of this criteria that you've said you're going to try and meet, then naturally they're going to judge you for that. Um, so it's, it's tough. I mean, I'm obviously not trying to make everyone feel sorry for Christians because that's not what the point of this is about. But... Um, it can it can be tough. And there's projected expectations in in other religions too. Like you, yeah. Think of like Buddhists who have to, you know, strive towards enlightenment and yeah, be so at peace. Yeah, and everything. So, and there's other. I'm, I'm sure religions. I'm not well versed on them, but like, yeah. I mean, can't even just like, be exclusive to Christianity. Yeah, and even and, the so. sort of like I believe it's Hinduism where they believe in reincarnation. I be, if if my year rate RS studies you're right i've got yeah. anything to rem- <laughs> if, if they've taught me anything i think that because they're the guys who believe in karma right 
Yeah. So any good action you make gives you better karma. Every bad action you make gives you worse karma. And then dependent on when your life comes to an end, how good your karma was or how bad your karma was, you'll be reincarnated appropriately. Yeah. And I believe the goal is that the, the way I had it described to me was that if you're a human being who dies with bad karma, you might come back as, say, a dung beetle. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. and, but then if you somehow get good karma as a dung beetle, I don't know how that works. You but could move up from there. Yeah, you can yeah. then maybe become a human again. And if you finish human life as someone with good karma, you might become like a priest and further and further on until you reach enlightenment. Yeah. Sounds exhausting. But um, because you have that projected expectation, you're living in a paradox every day. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's a great way of uh, describing it, man. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that's that's kind of what we're. It's an idea I had where I, as someone who's relatively new to Christian faith, it's it's hard for me to find people my own age, especially before I started coming to church regularly out here in Georgia. Um, it's really tough to find people your own age um, who are people of faith you know yeah it's getting less and less and it's definitely not mainstream anymore you know you don't really hear it talked about on tv even in tv shows in movies it's one of the biggest reasons why i love the chosen so much you know shout out it's you know it's 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 mainstream christian it's highly produced yeah yeah exactly and it's It's actually like you know sharing a good message and it's something that i actively want to watch because you know it doesn't suck (laughs) <laughs> it's not cheesy. Like, it's not a cheesy Christian. Exactly. Film. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not. I mean, no, no disrespect. It's like Veggie Tales or whatever. But you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you it's get on a different I mean. level than Veggie yeah, Tales. Exactly. You know, it's it's yeah. re- like you said, highly produced, really well acted, good TV show that I've recommended to people, and I know that people who aren't even Christians have been watching it because it's a good show. It lives up to the hype. Yeah, it, it really, does. it really does. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I wanted to be able to try and hopefully be a uh, a drop in the water of the culture that we live in where people who are young like myself and yourself can maybe be something to people who are our own age and older and even younger um of you know it's not all hope is lost you know yeah. that there are people our age still trying to you know trying to follow Jesus and and just figure things out exactly in a, in a world that really pushes you away from it um and hopefully we'll be able to bring some people in who can share their own stories and share their own experiences of growing up in different ways maybe they weren't christians growing up maybe they were maybe they lost their faith maybe they found it again maybe they've just been really hard christians their whole lives but lived in a world where lived in a place where no one else was you know i know that there's people who are missionaries who go to countries where it's illegal to be a christian or live in cities like like I did in LA where being a Christian, you're like maybe in like the 1% of people who live in LA that are Christians, you know, (laughs) and that might be an overstatement. Um, So I'm hoping that we'll be able to get some people and get some interesting conversations that hopefully people will want to listen to and fingers crossed, take something from. Yeah. And maybe even engage with, you know, because they have perspectives and things. So, yeah, I'd love that. I'd love for, you know, if anyone is listening to this and they have questions, stories, whatever it is just write it wherever it is i don't know where we're going to put this yet but somewhere <laughs> yeah you can send an email or you yeah could, uh, absolutely do a facebook page yeah or whatever. We'll, we'll find something yeah. to uh we're kind of just exploring where we are right now but um in in regards to today first of all the braves play tonight game one yeah today is uh the 26th 
I think I think you're right. Twenty six. Look at me. Look at yeah. me being an Arsenal adult are day. playing right now. They just kicked off, playing Leeds in the Carabao Cup. So, relatively important game, but not massively. It's another cup competition. And then the Braves play tonight, game one, World Series. Big game. Big game. Big series for the Braves. Oh, yeah. So, massively. It'll, it'll be interesting. It's, it's weird, Dave, uh, here living in, being in the, the outskirts of Atlanta. And people just go crazy for, like, Atlanta makes it to something big. Uh-huh. Dude, it's just... You you're like oh you're you were a Braves fan, okay I didn't know that you <laughs> right know, like, yeah all of them just start coming out like to support it's really cool it's weird but it's cool it is cool you it's know cool. there's definitely the skeptics out there who will say that you only become a Braves fan when you make it to the World Series but the more the merrier you know <laughs> that's right yeah. <laughs> yeah um but yeah I mean specifically for today um because you know we don't have a third person here it's just the two of us uh what I'd kind of like to do is kind of just tell a little bit about ourselves. Um, I don't really even massively know your story. I don't know how much you want to share. Yeah. But um, for me, I'll definitely share away. Tell my story. Um, but if you're cool with it. I'd love to share. Yeah, man. I yep. mean, did you just like let people know about what what our experiences were growing up? Maybe our experiences with faith, mm-hmm. where we've struggled, where, where things have been great. Whatever you want to share, man. Yeah. Take it Dude, away. I'm all for that. Yeah. Um, so for those of you that are listening, my name is Connor Moon, and um, I am 22 years old, doing this podcast with Dave, and uh, I go, I'm actually um, a pastor, kind of. Uh, I'm an online pastor, <laughs> so it's a, it's a different kind Have of Have you pastor. been ordained yet? I haven't been ordained. I've been okay. commissioned. Okay. Um, What's so the difference? Kind of two steps. So commissioned is like a license, a legal status as a minister, and then ordained is like a uh, church by church basis like the church affirms your ministry progress and nice. so yeah uh there's more theological terms so but we won't <laughs> get into that uh, so i'm uh working at church been doing that for a couple of years and um but i i haven't always lived in carol in this carrollton area west georgia area uh, i grew up in east alabama and so uh for me uh, my story begins um, pretty much in brokenness, if you will. Like, I don't want to use too many buzz, buzz word, buzzwords, but... Um, hey, man, we're a Christian <laughs> podcast. We right. love buzzwords. That's right. you gotta, you got <laughs> to throw a few in there. Um, so, like, my parents weren't always the greatest. They were great parents, and, you know, they provided, and we're here, we're alive, and, you know, we didn't go to defects or anything. But mm-hmm. um, from what I gathered it wasn't on the best terms that they got together. And, um, so I'm the middle child. So I have two, two brothers, an older brother and a, a younger brother. And, um, so when we were growing up, it was more of, we weren't rich. We didn't have money. We were poor. We went to church every once in a while. And, um, I found, community i found like my people group on video games that's when like xbox live was coming up and getting big right. and playstation network was free and so you could hop on and play with your friends who had playstation and stuff and so what we playing do black ops one oh what a game dude that was what a game so we were we were coming up on xbox live and like all that stuff after modern warfare 2 mm-hmm. into modern warfare 3 and then black ops and all that so mm-hmm. Black Ops 1 is the OG for me. It's nice. so much fun. Zombies, all that kind of stuff. So I'm so. a couple years older than you. I'm 26. So Modern Warfare 2 was my first. Yes. So. Yes. So you're that crew. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
which was a great game still. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, so good. <laughs> uh, and so much fun to just come home, get your schoolwork done, and then jump online. And so You did your schoolwork. I did not. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. I would not always. The zombies were just waiting on me, man. You know, they were just ready. And so... Um, Got to get your priorities straight. You know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I'm thankful for it because uh, that's where my crew was. That's where my people were. And so we'd go home, play video games. We'd come to school talking about video games. My world existed online. That's kind of why I lean towards it today. Um, and so, but but being in online, you... Um, you, you build your, your characteristics or who you are kind of around that things you love. And so, uh, loved being online with people, loved, um, hearing their stories and things. And so, uh, we, I would build relationships with people online and that was very valuable for me. But, um, when I started getting into high school, I started really trying to figure out who I was, my identity and all that, it, like every high schooler goes through. And so, um, I, I kind of began to experiment with like physical um, characteristics or things that I could build. Like I loved lifting weights, loved playing football, American football and other things. And um, I loved uh, just trying to be the best I could be because, and this is a, a cry, like a, a pivotal moment for me in understanding this, but I wanted to be the best I could be because those were the people that succeeded. Mm. The ones that, um, that realized that life is tough, but they could, they could come out on top. Those were the people who made the money. Those were the people who had the nice homes and the good relationships and things. At least that's what I understood as success. And so as I started high school, my parents relationships started to really dissolve and we were, you know, living with different people and our aunts and uncles, grandparents, things like that. We were just bouncing around and, um, and so my parents eventually got a divorce and um it wasn't it wasn't a fun time as chaos and and How hard and, and broken. They got a divorce when I was fifteen. Okay. Uh I believe fourteen or fifteen. And uh at the time I was living with my grandparents and so um and my brothers were living with my aunt and uncle. And so it was it was tough. It was weird, it was strange because we weren't there but you were still feeling the side effects. Like we had to go help them move stuff out and things like that. So it was strange. It was weird. Um, so I kind of just shut that stuff off um, and just kind of left it be and, you know, just let my parents handle that. And I was going to focus on building my success, building Connor's story. And so that began for me with, like I said, physical things. Like I wanted to lift weights. And so I started really pushing um, being strong being prideful, taking care of what I needed to take care of, being a man, those kind of things where those were the things I thought would lend to be successful or lend me a better chance of being successful. So one of the strongest kids in my class um, started varsity ninth grade year, like right off the bat. So I found success in those things. But um, my 10th grade year, after uh, right when it was starting that August, I got in a car accident. My my back got messed up, and okay. I didn't really know that it hurt, but like I didn't know it was um, getting getting worse through playing football and stuff. And so um, eventually, at the end of the season, it got to the point where I was doing squats one day, and I just collapsed. Like my back just my my muscles just spasmed, and it just I collapsed doing back squats and stuff. And so 
uh, I realized then, okay, there's a problem. There's something going on. Go to the doctor, and they tell me, uh, I'm in the chiropractor for like six months for physical therapy and all that kind of stuff, and he's trying to get it fixed. And um, he tells me like, hey, you can play football. You can do those things. You can lift weights. Um, this time we're easing back into things, but he said, just be careful. Know that it's probably not the best idea. And I was like, man, like, is this really something I want to deal with the rest of my life? Do I want to have back problems and stuff? Or do I want to play football? And um, it's not just like I'm, I'm making it out to be like it's this or that. It's very clear, black and white. But for me, like that was my, that was me. I was the weightlifter. I was the football player. I was the physical. Let me, let me just uh, attain all these physical attributes. And that was my identity. So I wasn't just saying, is it football or is it um, not football? I was saying, is it everything Connor's built in the past four years or is it start from scratch? And as a high schooler, it's a lot. Like your friends are playing football. Your friends are lifting weights. Your coach, your mentors are in that world. To leave that world is incredibly substantial. So I said, what the heck? I can't, like, I did not want to have back problems the rest of my life. So I um, I didn't play football. Lost my community that I had built there. Lost my coaches that um, had just surrounded me in football and things. They they acted like, you know, they didn't really care and things like that. So now that I'm not playing football. And, um, and so I just lost all that, that I had just built over the past four years in, in football and things like that and weightlifting. And I had to start fresh. And I found, I started finding friends and community uh, around church and things like that. And um, I loved leaving, like leading discussions about principles and leadership things and stuff like that. So, so you were still going to church this whole time? S- sort of. So this is kind of when I started into church. Okay. And so uh, my family was like once a month, twice a month kind of churchgoers. Mm-hmm. And so church wasn't really a thing until this moment where. I had to change kind of my direction. So um, I started experimenting with going to church and things like that. And um, I still had a weightlifting class where I couldn't lift weights. So one of the coaches just let me watch YouTube videos on his computer, which was really cool. Um, And I got down this rabbit trail of theological stuff. And so that's where my passion for Christianity and things like that sparked was that moment where I could spend some time in theology. So I went down that road and started getting plugged in at church. And then um, when I was somewhere after my sophomore year, into my junior year, um, I got saved. It was a Wednesday night at church, and I was like, hey, this is this is real. There's something to this, and I want to explore it. So I gave my life to Christ and said, hey, I'm, I'm moving forward with this route. I'm forget everything that's happened. God's changed my identity for a reason. He shifted my course for a reason. And I need to, I need to figure out what that is. And so, um, so had you not felt that conviction until that point in your life? Yeah. It wasn't, it was always an interesting thing, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't of like, Hey Connor, you tried to, you tried this thing of building your own identity and one car accident threw that out the window so what do you do when that happens over and over and over again? Like you, you don't have that. And so um, it was a moment where I realized, oh, I'm not the author of my own path. 
society says this is the way to go, but what if you can't get there? What if you can't like what if you can't live up to those standards? What if you get a car accident and you can't be the strongest? You can't be the the most passionate, the most one with most time. Like what what do you do? And um that's when I realized like those okay, those standards are are cool, but they're unattainable. And um there's something to this theology, this uh, story of Christ that is in this salvation and other things that uh, I was reading that I guess we'll unpack later, but um, there's something to that that's actually fulfilling and attainable without me being the author of those things. And that's when it clicked that night. And so um, fast forward, I've just, I've been discipled by incredible guys that still pour into me and tell me about, you know, their journeys and their you know, how, how they wrestle with things with Christ and things like that. So, uh, they've discipled me, got me to the point I am now as a believer, but that was kind of my story to sum it up. It was, I had built this identity in physical attributes and that got thrown out the window really quick and everything I had built crumbled. And then God showed me that he's the author of my life. He wants to direct me in a certain way. And if I submit and uh, be obedient to that. Let him just work through this life. I will find joy. I will find fulfillment, but um, not always what society says. So, mm. yeah, that's, that's awesome, kind of my story. Man. That's really good. That's good stuff. Yeah, and uh, it's been interesting. Now I'm married and yeah. living my life, and so how'd you guys meet? We met that that same church. I got saved. Um, oh yeah, when I was 15. Yeah, uh, or 16 somewhere in there, and so we started dating and. Uh, Dated for like four years and got married. And uh, when did y'all get another, married? We got married in 2019, January. That's a funny story. I can tell that later. Uh, but <laughs> we got married really quick, and it was, it was crazy. So yeah, it was fun though. But yeah, um, married now for two years. So. Nice. When's y'all's anniversary? January 19th. Hey, so it's coming up. 18th. Oh. She's not listening. I hope. Uh, <laughs> January eighteenth, twenty nineteen. So, yep. we've all been there, man. Yep, <laughs> we've all been there. Yep. Oh, that's what so about, cool. Man. What about you, Dave? Which I don't think I fully heard your story either. Yeah, I mean, my uh, individual story is um, a long one, I would say. So I'd have to pick and choose, really, kind of where we go. But um, it's okay. I did that too. So I um, was born in England. You might be able to tell. <laughs> the accent, I think, yeah. gives it away. Yeah, yeah. It's going, it's going away a little bit. Every time I speak to my mom on the phone, she's like, you sound exotic. Really? Yeah, she's like, she just gets on to me about it. All my friends <laughs> joke about it. They just can't. They can't. I'm, ter- I'm genuinely petrified of losing my accent because... I've heard people who've moved from England that have lived out in America for like 50 years and it just sounds awful. It's like the worst hodgepodge of an accent you'll ever hear in your life. Like they'll still say Bath, but then use the like rhotic R. So they'll say like curb instead of curb, you know. Okay. And it's just the worst. It makes <laughs> I, I I live in fear of that. Daily, daily, especially theory. because my mum would be on to me all the time about it, <laughs> and Emily would probably be upset as well because I think half the reason she loves me is because of my accent. <laughs> Emily being your wife, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, uh... <laughs> my mum has told me that if Emily and I ever have kids, God willing, um, she's going to try and drum their American accent out of them because they're naturally going to have one. 
because we plan to stay in the United States. I love this country. <laughs> um, so our kids are going to have different accent yeah. to me. Um, so my mom has already told me that she's going to come over and be like, no, it's bath. <laughs> <laughs> Not bath. <laughs> um, so, yes. Anyway, I grew up in England. Um, I was born in Cambridge. Um, born at a hospital there. Um, and uh, my mum and dad, uh, I'm the oldest child, oldest by four years. My younger sister, Emily, spelt with a Y, not with an I-E, like my wife. Um, funny story, like half of Emily and I's family have the same name. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, my, so my Emily's sister, is I-E. Yeah. So okay. my wife is I-E. Em, my, Emily, my sister is Y. And okay. then both our dads are called Chris. It's it's a whole thing. <laughs> and then like um, at the wedding, Emily had three bridesmaids called elizabeth and then i have two friends called rob but basically everyone we know everyone we know has the same name so y'all, y'all like to keep things very yeah just similar keep, keep it simple you know so we just say like pick yeah. from 10 names and one of them's gonna be right <laughs> you gotta you gotta have friends within this yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah um so yeah uh lived in um a little a little village called islam which is near the uh city of ely if you've ever heard of that it's got a really beautiful c- cathedral there um, I lived there until I was six. Um, I remember having pretty good memories of living there. It's in a very, very small village. Um, not really much goes on there other than, you know, we lived in a really nice house. That my dad still lives in across the, across the road from there is the village green where, you know, once a year they'd have a fate, which is like sports and, um, you know, people would set up little stools that had games for kids and had a little playground there for kids. It's a very, very small village. Um, maybe a thousand people at the most, oh, I would wow. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really small. Um, you can walk around the whole village in 30 minutes. And um, so I lived there, had a happy childhood from what I can remember. And then all of a sudden, I have this very vivid memory of just like this 30 second period in my life where I was asleep in my bedroom one night and then... I wake up and my mum picks me up. She's like, we got to go. Like, okay. I mean, just woke up. It's probably like 2 a.m. at this point. Yeah. I mean, to be, to be fair, for all I know, it could have been like 10.30 at night. I was a kid. So, you know, any anytime it's dark. Dark it's like, dark. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, yeah, just uh, get put in the car and then I fell back asleep, woke up um, at this place I'd never been to in my life. I was like, where on earth are we? Um, my sister was with me who was two years old at the time. Um, so obviously doesn't remember any of this and, uh, I get walked into the kitchen by my mum and sit down at a table again, never been in this place in my entire life. And there's a man stood before me who again, never seen. And I can just remember him trying really hard to form a connection with me immediately. He was trying to make me laugh, trying to make me smile, trying to make me feel comfortable. I imagine was his goal because he knew that for a kid, this was scary and I didn't know what was going on. I was tired. So, um, and that was that. And later I found out that my mum and my mum had left my dad. Um, they'd got, they, they were then in a process of getting a divorce, but my mum had left my dad for this other man. His name was John and he lived on a farm. It wasn't an operating farm at the time. It was just a farmhouse, really beautiful property. He had a lot of land, really, really nice. Um, and we stayed there for years. My mum and John had a relationship. They were never married, never engaged. They were just partners. Um, my mum started a farm there, an operating farm. We had pigs. 
chickens, goats, sheep, you know, the whole the whole lot, you know, and I and I took part in that as a kid. You know, from the age of six until I was twelve I was there. Twelve and like almost thirteen we were there. And uh So you did the like you helped out on the every farm day, man. Every day. Yo. Every day to get up before school, go feed the lambs if we had lambs because you know we would we would take um so there was a guy who lived down the road from us who had a really big um sort of he was like a legit farmer so he had like thousands of sheep and everything and basically what happens is when a sh- when a sheep's when a lamb's mother dies very often the lamb will die as well because no other no other sheep is going to take that lamb in it's virtually impossible for hmm. uh, a female sheep to take in a lamb that isn't hers she won't feed it so it'll very often die so what we did, we took those orphan lambs and we nurtured them and fed them and then grew them to be our own. And then we would, uh, if they were, it, it varied, but most more often than not, we would slaughter them and then use them for meat, sell the meat. You know, we were operating with them. But when they were babies, we had to go and bottle feed them because they didn't have a mother. So we would have to get up really early. Um, I'd hear them. They'd wake me up. Even though they were down the other end of the farm, they would just be screaming their heads off. <laughs> So we'd have to go and feed them, which, you know, is cute the first two times you do it. And then when you have to do it every single day, and then I'd have to go feed the pigs, water the pigs, do everything, everything. Muck them out, all before school. And then I'd go to school, went to a really cute little school uh, in a little village called Eltersley, even smaller than Isom, maybe had like 600 people in it max. My school was years reception through year six, which is the age of four through the age of 11. I don't know what that is in America. I can't remember what that is, but it's reception year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, year six. Sounds like preschool through like sixth grade. Okay. Seventh grade. Right. So um, that entire school had 96 people in it. That's small. Yeah. That's small, man. <laughs> so, you know, it's like from all that age group, everyone knew each other's names. Um, I loved it there. Loved that school. Um, loved my life as a kid. Had a really great childhood. Um, you know, spent a lot of time outside. Also had my video games. Got a PS2 for the first time when I was like seven years old. Freaking changed my life. That's what's up. Yeah, man. I mean, the first game I ever played on that was Prince of Persia because it came in the box. Did you have the Crash game? Crash Bandicoot? Is it, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. Cause yeah, I mean, because like I had, a, my, but my first console was the PS2. Mm, Could have been a PS1. I don't really remember, but PS2 is the first one I really remember, like spending all my free time time on, basically. Um, so yeah, just uh, and you know, I loved video games, kind of growing up like you. Um, used it to escape a lot because um, behind having a good schooling and um, having you know a lot of adventure as a child, we also lived in a very abusive household. Um, so John, who um, I haven't seen since maybe maybe I was like 19 the last time I saw him, so about seven years ago. Um, he's a very abusive man, very, very short temper. Um, grew up believing that, you know, children are seen but not heard. You know, you only speak when you're spoken to. Very, very conservative, very strict, very old way of bringing up kids. Um, and if we misbehaved, we would be disciplined um and sometimes that would just be verbal but sometimes it'd be uh, physical you know getting beat and um not just a little you know it was a lot um and i think it happened to my mom as well uh i didn't see all of it but i I know that some of it did because it all came to a head one day when uh, i had a friend over oh no yeah his name was rory 
and uh, he was just over at my house, just, you know, he came for a sleepover. And then uh, we were downstairs one morning and it was just the three of us. It was uh, me, my sister and Rory. And then all of a sudden I could hear my mom screaming upstairs. And she was like, call the police, call the police. Oh no, dude. Yeah. And this was, you know, a couple of times this, that, that like stuff like this had happened, but this felt different to me, even as a, like a 12 year old, I think I was 12. I was like, this is, this is, it sounds funny, but in that moment I was kind of both a scared, but also be relieved because I knew that this would be a chance for my family to get out of this relationship because we've been looking for a way out. Um, and so the police came, took John away. He went to, um, he went to prison for a bit. Uh, we got a restraining order against the guy. And then for the, for the like following three or four years, uh, so following like two, two years, I think it was just my mum and my sister and I, we moved to a little town called Rushton and, uh, it was the two of us, three of us, sorry. I was the man in the house, which was weird. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, all of a sudden one day I was at home, wasn't feeling very well and I heard a knock at the door. I was like, okay, weird. Open the door and John is there. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was terrified. how many? Two, two three two, years? Two years later. And two I years hadn't later. seen the guy since. You know, I was very much under the assumption that he was out of our lives. He had a restraining order, everything. Turns out my mom had been seeing him again. Because this man was very charismatic. You know, very uh, yeah. charismatic. You know, knew how to influence people. He was a salesman. So, you, oh, can, you know, yeah. you can imagine. Guys calls back into my mom. They started a relationship again and then essentially the same thing happened again where he get, became abusive broke into a house one night i won't get into the massive stories maybe i'll tell it one day soon but um suffice to say the exact same thing happened again ended up with me and my mom and my sister again um which was what we were, i mean it wasn't ideal but it was better than what we were going through and then my mom eventually a few years later found uh she was working as a gardener she loves to garden um and a uh, guy who used to garden at the house next to her um, knew she was single and said, well, hey, my dad is single. You guys should go out on a date. And she was like, okay. Um, went out with this guy called Nigel. And I think it was less than a year later they were married. Amazing guy. Yeah. Brilliant for my mom. Very, very um, passive, very loving, but in a very reserved way, but also very caring. He's one of those people who you know cares a lot about the people he loves, but he will never tell you unless something... He, but he will defend you to the ends of the earth. You know, if anything ever happened, you wouldn't want to get in this man's way. <laughs> He's a big guy. Yeah. Big guy. You would not want to mess with him. Um, and now my mum and him are happily married. They've got their own house, got a little German Shepherd out in the countryside. Amazing life. <laughs> um and then in that time, I was at school. I, I didn't do so great at school. Um, I just was playing video games, like kind of just decided to... I, I was a smart guy um, in the sense that I could pass tests without really trying. If I tried, I could have done really well. Um, but I never did until um, A-levels, which so in England without going too deep into it you do your gcse's which is ages 15 and 16 which are um there's probably about 30 exams you do on all these different subjects and then once you pass those you get grades on results day where you go into school you open up an envelope and it has your grades inside of it everyone's there um and if you get the right grades if you get good enough grades you can go into sixth form because compulsory education in england finishes at the age of 16 
a levels are ages 17 and 18 and if you want to go to university you have to take a levels so um i was under the assumption that i was going to go to university so it took my i went back to school to sixth form at bedford modern school i love that school with all my heart and uh i studied english literature government and politics film studies and theater studies so very artistic you know um loved them all uh didn't like my teacher for english literature but that's neither here nor there she didn't like me either <laughs> um dude one time she uh graded one of my um exams purposefully badly and this is like coursework so this is like official goes like goes towards your end of your grade yeah. coursework and i was like i don't think it was this bad i got regraded by a teacher who bumped me up two letter grades I was like, okay. What? Yeah, it, it was bad, man. She didn't like me. I didn't like her and everybody knew. <laughs> Can you get out of classes? Or was no, she? No, no. Um, so anyway, so I, I did that, did my schooling, really loved it. Um, and I knew I, I had known since the age of maybe like 13, 14, I wanted to do something artistic. I wanted to be an actor. That was my thing. I love to be on the stage. It's, it's, it's one of the places, it sounds so cliche but you i really just feel free when i'm on the stage especially get really into the characters just forget about everything other than what's happening in that moment and i always craved that that feeling and i could only ever find it on the stage it was like this is what i'm meant to do man you know i'm good at it i can i can just really see myself doing it so by the time i got to about 17 i was like i'm not going to university i want to go to drama school looked at all the drama schools couldn't really figure out which one I wanted to go to. So I said, well, what I'll do is I'll finish school and just go work for a bit. Go and went and worked for a bit. And um, then I uh, auditioned for a bunch of different schools. And I auditioned for one called the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, which was in LA. They have one in New York and they have one in LA. I auditioned for that. It was my favorite audition that I had. Got in. I was like, this is where I want to go. So I set my sights, set my goals to be this is where I want to go. Worked for two more years after that to save up to go because it was expensive. Um, and in 2017, yes. Mm, yeah, 2017, left to move to LA. Um, a lot of my family did not like the idea because I was moving across the country. Yeah. You know, it's a lot. I'd never been to the school. I'd never even seen it. I just had blind faith, essentially. That was like, this is where I'm meant to be. Now I think I realize what it might have been that guided me in that direction. But at the time I was like, well... You know, I just have a feeling. Got there. I loved it. Loved every second of it. Made some amazing friends. Um, but it's also where I met Emily. She was training at the same school as me. Um, we were in the same year. She wasn't... I was never actually in any of her classes. Um, but we got put on what was called an exam play together. Where the exam play was at the end of the first year. Um, the second year's put on a pretty much professional tr uh, production to get graded on for their final grade. Uh, and the first years of stage managers. Emily and I were put on the same stage managing together. And we really hit it off. Great friends. Um, and just through our conversation, she told me she was a Christian. And I was, uh, at the time, very not not against, but I just really wasn't receptive to the idea of like God and Jesus and Christianity and all that kind of faith. I was like, yeah, it's not for me. You know, I was someone who I listened to Marilyn Manson, um, Slipknot. Uh, uh, ghost you basically name a like satanic band i was listening to <laughs> um and not that i was like supportive of that like that ideology but it's just the kind of music that i was enjoying yeah. um i'd grown up listening to them and was still listening to them um and she told me that she was a christian and i was like okay i mean sure 
Um, and she was going to church there in LA at a place called Mosaic. And she'd invited me. I was like, mm, sure, maybe I'll go one day. Uh, never went. Emily and I were really hitting it off at this point. We knew we liked each other. Um, and basically one day we were sat in her car and we professed our feelings for each other. And she got really upset because she told me, she was like, I can't date you. I was like, why not? She was like, I can't. She was like, I want to. But she said that she just could not, in good faith, date somebody who, in her words, didn't love Jesus as much as she did. Now, to somebody who is not Christian, that was like, whoa, that's really intense. Like, you're not even going to date somebody who's not a Christian? Like, that, that to me, I was like, that's... It's like cultish, almost. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, to, like for, if you're not a Christian, to hear those words, like... To hear somebody say that they love somebody who they'd never even met, you know, that's, that's, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, that's kind of weird, right? Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, I mean, I respected her decision. I didn't push her into anything. And I was like, we kind of just went our separate ways. We didn't even talk for a good bit. Um, and this is a period of my life that I'm not proud of. I was drinking a lot. I was partying a lot, um, spending a lot of time with girls and just generally living how I shouldn't have been. And I suffered for it where I got kicked out of housing. I, I was an RA at the time on uh, on campus, got kicked out of there, basically was essentially homeless uh, in LA. Luckily, I had some amazing friends who put me up in their spare bedrooms or let me sleep on their floor, on their couch and everything. I, I will be thankful to them for the, to the day I die yeah. um, for just putting me up. And even Emily's dad paid for hotels for me to stay in. And this was before we were even, we were just friends. Um. And bef- right before then, though, she had invited me to church around Christmas time. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. It's Christmas. This is a good time to go. Um, just to see, you know. And I went and Erwin uh, McManus was speaking and he just did a sermon. Can't, couldn't tell you what it was on, but I can tell you that it changed my life massively. I had been in and out of churches. I'd been to Passion once with Emily didn't really feel anything. Felt a little bit of something, but I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, churches in England growing up, horrible experience every single time. Cold, damp, boring, old. <laughs> you know, yeah. the congregation is like 85-year-old average. The sermons are on God knows what. You can't even hear them because it's so echoey. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> I'm like, what are you saying, mate? Um, and yeah, I was, just, I was just in that moment and I was like, I just felt something so deep within me that I'd never felt in my life. I was like, man, this is crazy. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of refused to, to believe what I was experiencing was like Jesus. And so I spoke to Emily. I was like, is there anyone I can talk to? Cause I actually messaged Erwin McManus at the time on Instagram, not knowing that he's like this, like very popular preacher and, we won't get too much into that, but like he wasn't, he, he did not respond to me. <laughs> Safe to say he yeah. probably didn't even read my message. Um, but Emily was like, well, Hey, speak to this guy called John. He'll speak to you. So I messaged the guy called John who was on staff at the same church. Um, and he sat down with me for coffee one day and answered every single one of my questions. We may be there for like two and a half hours, answered every single one of my questions. And I got saved on that day. I gave my life to Christ and I have not regretted it since. I regretted it in the immediate aftermath of that because in those two weeks following, my whole life fell apart, which is when I got kicked out of housing, I lost my passport, 
lost everything. Like, literally everything was just falling apart. I was, like, looking to the heavens, like, I just gave my, like, I just professed that, like, Jesus is Lord, and now my whole life is falling apart. Yeah. You know, that was tough. Um, but, man, it's, it's been an amazing journey since then. And I know I've been, I'm very aware of the fact that I've been talking on and on and on. Um, but no, that's good though, because what I'm noticing in this and, you know, uh, the way you just kind of articulated your story was in depth, so in depth that I, I, I like, there's things I didn't share that you and I would relate really well with, with, you know, toxic and chaotic homes and, um, meeting the loves of our life, very pivotal moments in our life. And, um, and then everything kind of falling apart after that. Those are very key elements that if you wouldn't have spent some time with, I would have never known. And mm-hmm. I'm your co-host. So like, well, there we go. Yeah. But that's why, like, that's why I really wanted to do this, man. It's because there are so many things that we don't know about each other, mm-hmm. whether it's Christian to Christian, like it's us, or whether it's people looking from the, you know, like I said earlier, from the outside looking in, mm-hmm. they'll be like, oh, they're Christians. They think they're perfect. Yeah. They probably just have perfect lives. You know, they probably think they're just better than everyone else. It's so far from the truth. Yep. Like the whole, like, like it's part of the package when you come to church that you acknowledge that you are not perfect. Yeah. That's literally the point. That's why you're here. Yeah. yeah. The point is that, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are certainly people out there, like with anything, who will dispel that idea. There will certainly be people out there who think they're better than other people because they're Christians. Yeah. You know, Westboro Baptist Church, perfect example of that. Um, but, the reason I wanted to do this is because I want to try at least to be an example of, Hey, I definitely don't have things all together. Never have never will, but there is someone who came into my life and has changed everything for me, everything. And it doesn't mean that my life has been perfect since then, but it has been fundamentally different. Um, I met Emily and got married to her in 2020 the guy who saved me married married us john he married us and um emily and i obviously don't have a perfect marriage nobody does right but the foundation that we that we share together in christ makes us infinitely stronger than we would be without it um and being somebody who was never uh someone of faith and whose friends all in England are not people of faith, it makes me want to scream at them. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, it, there's so many times where I just say to myself, God, if only, if only they would just come to church with me, you know? And, like, but it's, it's so hard to, yeah. like, even just have that conversation with them because most of the time I was, I was where they was, where I was like, I don't even want to hear about this, yeah. you know? Yeah, and you you, tr- you try your best to maybe pitch it, and that sounds bad, but like pitch it in a way that oh, this would make sense. But then you come up with those, you, or you get hit with those moments where it's like, oh, that's exactly what, like you were just saying, like exactly what I would have been turned off about when I was in that area of my life. And so, but what was so u- unique and just incredible about your story was the very important intersections that you came to where it's like a decision led to another decision instead of, Oh, I'm just going to LA and hoping for the best. Mm -hmm. Like you, you had this, Oh no, this is where I need to go. You felt this, 
something inside of you that said, no, go here, which led to other moments that now you're in West Georgia and it, it makes zero sense why a guy from England is in West Georgia. But like, that's the, to me, that's, it's just, it's so hard to deny, but, um, that, that something was working there and, Mm. you know, you and I are going to call it God, but, um, working in those moments to get you at these intersections and, um, but those intersections aren't always clear. They're not always, uh, like convincing, if you will. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not always where it's like, oh yeah, um, it's very clear that this road is right wrong and that one's right or vice versa, whatever it may be. Like those are not, especially not in the, the moment. Case. Yeah. Especially in the moment where it's, and so trying to, you know, get people to understand or get someone to understand some of that is incredibly difficult. And I think that's the beauty in it though, is because if we as humans could articulate the vastness of what we're feeling, then I wouldn't want to worship that or I wouldn't right. want to be a part of that. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, the inf- the infinite side of the, some of those um, depths of beauty and depths of uh, joy and fulfillment need to stay infinite. They need to stay outside of our realm of understanding and how to articulate because that's what drew me in in the first place. So mm. it's, the tough it's part is, is that as human beings, we want to know those things. You, It's almost paradoxical. That Whoa. you want to know some of those <laughs> things, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's like it's sometimes you want to be there at that place, but then again, like if you can, it's is it really worth being there? Hey man, it, like it comes back to why, why you know we all live in sin in the first place. God said, "Don't eat the apple," but they wanted to know. It's a good looking apple. Yeah, they were you like, know? "Hey," I mean, it can't hurt that much to find out. Yeah, so. Every, I mean, since the beginning of time, human beings have wanted to know more and more and more. And if there's something they don't know, they want to know what it is. Mm-hmm. Perfect yep. example of it. You know. Oh, yep. And you know, you can think of anything like even the the foundation of this podcast, the idea of like you have these people who tell you you're supposed to do this or you're supposed to do that, or in Christianity you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that, or this is how you're supposed to act. And like, what if you could? Like, what if you could be perfect? Like, what then? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's... It's like what people say, you know, when they're... I mean, obviously, it doesn't equate, but it's like when people say, if all you strive for in life is money, then you're never, ever going to be fulfilled because there's going to get a point where you already have everything, you know? Then what? Like, you already, like, if, if you're a trillionaire, or, like, if you're, like, Jeff Bezos, that guy just got divorced, you know, tragically, but he's the richest man in the world, you know? Yeah, how could he not make it work? Exactly, like, <laughs> yeah. there's, 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 there's things that, there's, there's never going to be a point where you can, you can fully have everything, like, it's impossible, Yeah, it really is, so if, you, if, if, yeah, you're right, if you're going to be perfect, then, then what? You know, I think you add another level to that and this will be important. I think when we bring on guests and things, but, um, like to live in that alone is so detrimental, mm-hmm. you know, like where you're alone, like trying to live up to standards and even figure out what your own standards are, um, and what, you know, your passions are and like what you want to do with your life. 
is difficult alone, like just that. Mm. But then you add, like if you're trying to figure it all out by yourself or you're escaping all the time to the point where you do feel alone, maybe you're manufacturing community or relationships with people, but you're still, you're doing it as an escape. Like video games could be a great example of that. Like you could hop in there and play games for a little bit and think you're building friends, but in reality you're just escaping. And so yeah. like it could be, it, it, those things are they're not meant for those moments. It's not meant to, to be alone and to go through this. So it can be even more difficult to navigate all these expectations and live in this crazy kind of world filled with expectations and especially to do it alone, which will be helpful when we bring on guests to hear, you know, you and I have never really heard each other's full stories, but there's elements that will connect us. And so I, I have no doubt that whoever we bring on here will have elements in their story that are fundamentally similar to ours. Mm-hmm. And so, which will be great because then you can find actual realities where, no, it may feel like a paradox sometimes that we're walking through, but we got somebody to walk with us and help absolutely. us through it. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds weird to people who don't have that, but it, it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really is just like having somebody else you can just lean on any time of the day yeah. or night man i uh thank you for sharing kind of your story and thanks for including me for man talking with me i really appreciate it i really really hope that we can get some cool people on i know we know enough cool people we do and that have enough of a story that we could probably talk for like six hours with them <laughs> yeah. but um if uh if anyone who, who's made it this far thank you for for listening I know that I talked for a really long time, so sorry about that. Good stuff. <laughs> it was good but stuff. But thank you, thank you for being here with us and um, for listening. If you have any like feedback, uh, I'm going to post this as many places as I can. Um, it's audio, so I mean, I'll, I'll definitely throw it up on YouTube and as well. But then regular places, I'll try and get it on there as well. Um, if you have any feedback or any questions or any sort of want to talk to you about anything, then either like leave a comment on the various platforms um most of the people who are probably going to be listening to this right away are going to know us anyway so like you can message us or just find a way to reach out um won't be hard no um but yeah thank you for everyone who's listened we're going to do more i would like to anyway yep there's going to be more yeah what are you doing for the rest of the day anything any plans uh not really no so no i'm gonna play some games tonight what are you gonna play? Uh, actually, we have life group tonight on Discord, so I'll right. do that and play games. I haven't been able to jump in with that recently just because I haven't been feeling too well. It's okay. We're, Is it going uh, well? Yeah, we're experimenting with. It's just different, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like Discord life group is just different. Like it's, it's more missional. Mm-hmm. So you got like our objective is to keep it, like, engaging for people who are in those like stages of life that you were just talking about that. I mean, God's something, but like, is that relevant to my life? And so, Mm -hmm. uh, how do you engage with people like that in honest, like conversations without feeling judgmental or like feeling like you're pressuring and things? So it's, it's different. It's weird, but it's, it's going good. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for, for today. I'm excited to see what the score is in the Arsenal game. Yep. Then watch the Braves tonight. It's gonna be a good night. Yeah. It'll be fun. I don't know what I'm having for dinner yet. Mexican? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe pasta. Pasta. Pasta? Pasta, yeah. I make like a nice tomato pasta sauce. It's good. You do you do it like homemade? Yeah. 
I mean, there's a really good... Red sauce? Yeah, I have a really good, like, pasta sauce recipe that is... I, I got it from somewhere. It's not my own. But it's just, like, canned tomatoes, peeled, like, whole peeled tomatoes, whack them in a... a what are they called? Saucepan. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, whole onion. Okay. Butter. That's it. And then, like, salt and pepper. Trust me. It's delicious. And then you just mix it, let it bo- boil down for a while, crush those tomatoes in there. It's just really, really delicious. Perfectly balanced. Get the acidity from the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. You get that, like, more, like, richness from the butter. A little bit of, like, something, something from the onion. Something, something. Yeah. Love and then that. you mix it with the pasta, Parmesan cheese. Done. <clears throat> Bingo amazing. bongo. It's like a dollar that, per serving. Yeah, that sounds excellent. Amazing. I need to try that. I'm I'm getting into some stuff like that, like homemade, yeah, uh, pasta sauces and yeah. things that are better. It's the way, because the jar is never as good. It's it gets blank, it gets old, and it's, and it's like lacks creativity. Like I want to feel like Gordon Ramsay when I'm in my kitchen. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, just don't cuss at Cass the whole time you do it. You're like, an that's sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. On that note. uh Thank you again to everyone for, for listening. And we'll hopefully see you again soon with a secret guest. A secret guest. <laughs> we'll keep it a secret until the day of. That's right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Bye, guys.